Hi, this is Nathan Owens from the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse in Antigua. Every Tuesday evening at 7.30, we have a live call-in program discussing real-life issues from the Caribbean. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You're listening to That's Truth, a live call-in program with Dr. David Murphy, designed to answer your questions biblically in this confusing culture. Dr. Murphy has over 30 years of counseling and ministry experience here in the Caribbean and is ready to answer your questions according to truth. Good evening and welcome to another exciting episode of That's Truth. I'm glad that you've taken time out of your busy schedule to join us. I'm Nathan Owens and I'm sitting across the desk and sitting across the desk from me is Pastor David Murphy. Good evening, Pastor. Uh, Good evening, Brother Nathan, and good evening to those who are listening this evening. Now, last week on That's Truth, we begin discussing the New Age movement. And Pastor, before we get back to the New Age movement, I want to address two questions that came in from a listener. And the first question is about Isaiah chapter 3 and the daughters of Zion. And the question is, who are the daughters of Zion? And to set the context, let me read Isaiah chapter 3, verses 13 through 16. Isaiah chapter 3, I'll just start at the beginning of Isaiah chapter 3. For behold, the Lord of the host doth take take away from Jerusalem and from Judah the stay and the staff and the whole stay of bread and the whole stay of water, the mighty man and the man of war, the judge and the prophet and the prudent and the ancient, the captain of fifty and the honorable man and the counselor and the skillful craftsman, and the eloquent orator. And I will give children to be their princes, and babes shall rule over them. And the people shall be oppressed, every one by another, and every one by his neighbor. The children shall behave himself proudly against the ancient, and the base against the honorable. When a man shall take hold of his brother of the house of his father, saying, Thou hast clothing, be thou our ruler, and let this ruin be under thy hand. In that day he shall he swear, saying, I will not be an healer, for in mine house is neither bread nor clothing. Make me not a ruler of the people, for Jerusalem is ruined. And Judah is fallen, because their tongue and their doings are against the Lord to provoke the eyes of his glory. The show of their countenance doth witness against them, and they declare their sin like Sodom. They will hide it, woe unto their soul, for they have rewarded evil unto themselves. Say to the righteous that it shall be well with thee, for they shall eat the fruit of their doings. Woe unto the wicked, it shall be ill with him, for the reward of his hands shall be given him. As for my people, children are their oppressors, and women rule over them. 
O my people, they who lead thee cause thee to err and to destroy the way of thy paths. And verse 13, the Lord standeth up to plead and standeth to judge the people. The Lord will enter into judgment with the ancients of his people and their princes. For ye have eaten up the vineyard, the spoil of the poor is in your house. What mean ye that ye beat my people to pieces and grind the faces of the poor, saith the Lord God of hosts? And verse 16 in closing, Moreover the Lord saith, Because the daughters of Zion are haughty and walk with the stretched forth necks and wanton eyes, walking and menacing as they go, and making a tinkling with their feet. Now, pass to the question that the listener was wanting to ask: is from is from the Bible? Who are the daughters of Zion? First of all, I was so puzzled that the person would ask that question because it's such an elementary question. I was wondering exactly what angle it was coming from. Um, if you go through the text itself, uh, remember Isaiah is a prophet. He's a prophet living in the time of the kings of Judah. Four kings of Judah are mentioned in chapter number one. Uh, those kings are mentioned Hezekiah, Isaiah, Jothan, and Ahaz. So he is the prophet to those, to the nation of uh, Judah and Israel. And in this particular chapter, he's talking about God bringing judgment upon Judah simply because of Judah's sin. And so uh, it is very, very clear the daughters of Zion in this chapter are people who are descendants of Jerusalem. Uh, As a matter of fact, nine times in Isaiah, the word daughter of Zion is used. And in every case, it's referring to those who are the daughters of Jerusalem or the descendants who came uh, came over to Jerusalem. So these are Jews. These are uh, that the Lord is bringing judgment upon. In a latter part of the verse, chapter, it talks about um, the women prancing and all the regalia that they have. Again, this is like the vanity, uh, the stage of vanity that Israel had reached in that day, and God is uh, going to judge um, the, the nation. Um, if you go to also Jeremiah, ten times in Jeremiah, uh, daughters of Zion are mentioned, and again, in every case, if you take the context, it's referring to the daughters of Jerusalem. It's referring to the people of Israel, uh, the, the women of Israel. Uh, so it is difficult to understand why it should be, anybody should have a problem understanding who the daughters of Zion are, uh, who they are. Uh, the other thing is, if you go through the Bible and check the word Zion, if you have a concordance, you'll mention 46 times, and you will find that it's 46 times, and you'll, men- you'll find out that in every case, it's referring to Jerusalem, which is the city of David. Uh, we don't have time t- tonight to give you all the, the verses to trace it, but um, if anybody would like to take any notes on this, if you look at 2 Samuel 5, 7, 1 Kings 8, 1, 2 Kings 19, 21, 2 Kings 19, 31, 1 Chronicles 11, 5, 2 Chronicles 5, 2, you'll find that there uh, the city of Zion is mentioned. Uh, to, to give clarity as to what Zion is, if you check Isaiah thirty nineteen, Isaiah 46, 13, Isaiah 60, 14, Isaiah 64, 10, and Joel chapter 2, verse 3, you'll find that Zion is explained to be Jerusalem. So there's no question that Zion is Jerusalem, and the daughters of Zion are therefore the daughters of Jerusalem. It's talking about people who are uh, of the stock of Israel, stock of Judah, 
so I don't know why there should be a query on that matter unless we are doing eisegesis as opposed to exegesis. We're reading into the text what we want as opposed to let the text speak. Let me say that in order to properly interpret Scripture, one of the key uh, laws of interpretation, the, the science of hermeneutics, is that you have to look at the context. Uh, you have to look at the cultural context, the historical context, the context at the times in which the writer wrote, uh, who was the author, um, what was his genealogy or what was his pedigree or what was his uh, ancestry. Is he a Jew? Is he Gentile? Whatever he is. So you cannot impose on this to say that these daughters of Zion are Gentiles. Impossible. When the text itself makes it clear that he's speaking about Jerusalem, my people, Isaiah, and then he mentions Jerusalem in verse number 8, is, is destroyed. Now, so, yeah. Uh, in relation to that, though, uh, the caller who asked it was saying that he believes that black people are the original Hebrews of the Bible. So he would probably agree with you to say that you can't impose that on Gentiles. He would claim that, yes, it's being imposed, or it's, being, it's speaking of Jews, and the true Jews are uh, those of African descent. Well, that's another that's another debate. Not another debate. That's another matter we can deal with okay. uh, because that is so ludicrous. I'm not even sure it's worth an answer. Anybody that would suggest that the Africans are Jews, uh, in other words, that they were the original people living in Israel, is so 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 comical. I'm not sure it's worth an answer. Um, to show that it cannot be, just very basically. Mm-hmm. The Lord told Isaiah and Ezekiel he will bring his people back from every country in the world. They were carried into exile in 70 AD when Titus went and destroyed the Jews and scattered them all over the world. The Lord said, I will bring you back a second time. Now, there was a first time when under Nebuchadnezzar, when he was taken into captivity, Cyrus gave a decree that the Israelites came back home. But then they were driven out in 70 AD into the most part of the world. And the promise was that they would return them the second time. Now, Israel was carried into captivity by, in 70 AD by the, the Romans and scattered into the uttermost parts of the world, basically. When did they return? 1948. 1948. Yeah. And no, this is a, one of the greatest miracles, in my judgment, it is probably the greatest modern miracle of all time, that a people who were not a people in 2,000 years, after 2,000 years they're restored to the land of Israel, but that did not happen just by human effort. God had promised he would do it, and supernatural means were used to bring Israel back in, into Palestine, and that's where she is today. And uh, so, I mean, based on that alone, it, it is so irrational to suggest, because he's bringing back his people to the land. Who came back to the land after 2,000 years? Who were brought back out of, out of captivity? And, and I mean, any person who knows anything about history would know that the Jews will return to the land of Palestine. And again, if you read Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11, God has a plan where he's going to regraph Israel back into his program. If you read Ezekiel chapter 37, the dry bones, you notice that it happens in stages. Israel comes back into the land in unbelief, and the tribulation becomes necessary to purge Israel to bring her back to God. And that's why if you understand prophetic truth, you begin to see how everything dovetails into God's divine plan. So it is, it is comical uh, and ridiculous for anybody to make that suggestion whatsoever. Now, the second question that I wanted to address before we got to the New Age movement was that of 
the bride of Christ. Using scripture, can you please defend your statement that the church is the bride of Christ? I think the the, the problem the uh, the caller had basically that he clearly has a smidgen of truth, and he really doesn't understand the principle that because one word bride is found one where, that that must be the exclusive interpretation. For example, uh, in the Old Testament, Israel is the bride of God. In the New Testament, the church is. And it is true that Jerusalem comes down as a bride. Does that mean that the church replaces Israel? No, the church doesn't replace Israel. Again, that's why it's important to read Romans 9, 10, and 11. Romans 9 tells you Israel's past, all of her glory, everything that God gave her, the promises, the covenants, the law, um, the sacrificial system, Christ came through the Messiah. In, in chapter 10, Israel is now in a state of blindness, judicially blinded by God because they rejected the Messiah. But then in chapter 11, Paul says, don't boast Gentiles. Uh, God is not finished with his people. Has God forsaken his people? The answer is no. He will now graft them back into his plan after the church is raptured. So Paul tells you that Israel's past, Israel's present, and Israel's future. So it does not, uh, the church does not replace Israel in God's uh, program. The church is now performing its role in this dispensation of grace. When this dispensation of grace is over and the church is raptured, God now grasps Israel back into his plan. Remember that God made promises to Israel that they were never fully completed. For example, Israel has never owned all of the land that was promised to her. And God cannot go back on his promise. So he has to fulfill the earthly promises he made to Abraham. It is from the river Euphrates down to the river Nile. That's the whole promise area given to Israel. Israel never possessed that. So God is not finished with Israel. Uh, he has a plan, and he's going to graft her back into, her plan, into his plan. The other thing, if you read the book of Thessalonians, the temple is going to be rebuilt. The Antichrist, when he comes, I mean, it's all there. You read Ezekiel, the last part of Ezekiel, talking about the, the new temple that's going to be built again. All of this is part of God's divine plan. But if you don't have a broad panoramic view of Scripture and understand the, the, uh, the, the books of the Bible and what they teach, and you just take one verse from one location, one verse from another, you always end up in confusion. That is one of the characteristic marks of a cult. Uh, they take passages out of context and build a whole doctrine around them. Now, the reason why I'm saying that, if you check, um, let me just use some illustrations. Jesus said he was the bridegroom. Right. You remember that uh, the people were wondering why his disciples did not fast. And he said how the children of the bridegroom could, could fast when the bridegroom is present, but when he's away. So he portrays himself as a bridegroom. A bridegroom will have a bride. In Matthew 27 and also Luke 2 and uh, Luke, uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 34, uh, in Matthew chapter 20, it talks about the, the marriage supper of the, of the, of the son. And uh, so the hint is there as well, this marriage, marriage concept that the son is the bride, is the, is the groom, and the bride is going to be, the, the father is having a supper for the bride. Now, I want you to look at um, Revelation chapter 19, because the, 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 the person drew attention to Revelation chapter 21. But if you look at Revelation chapter 19, you'll see there's a difference between the bride mentioned in 21, which is Jerusalem coming down, as a bride, as it were. And what it really means is a city coming down with all of its beauty and all of its glory. That's what it means, right? Uh, God don't marry a, a, a physical building, basically. But in, uh, in uh, 
Revelation chapter 19, verse 7, and then verse 9. You want to read that? Sure. Revelation 19 and verse 7 says, yeah. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. No, read verse 9. Verse, uh, nine. verse 9 says, And he saith unto me, Write, Blessed are they who are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. And verse number 8, I think, is crucial. And verse 8, And to her was granted that she would be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Well, there it is. You're talking about the saints. You're not talking about a physical building coming mm. down. So there are different brides in the Bible. That's my point I'm making. You, it's like the different words for, for the word death, for example. There's physical death, there's spiritual death, there's eternal death. Different words for faith? Uh, well, there, there, there's different Greek words for faith, but okay. faith all has the same meaning of trust okay. and okay. confidence. But I'm just using the illustration. Yeah. Uh, and that is why in the Old Testament, Israel is presented as the bride of the Lord, the, the marriage to her. In the New Testament, uh, the New Testament, the believer, the church is now called the bride. And then if you go to um, um, Corinthians chapter 11, Second Corinthians chapter 11 and read verse number 2. Second Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 2. I feel like I'm in a sword drill. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 2. Yeah, let me just read it for you. For I am jealous over you with God the jealousy, Paul is writing, for I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin. To, I mean, it's so obvious mm -hmm. he's speaking about the church. And uh, this church is the espoused bride of Christ. And Paul wants the, the, the church, that when he went to his ministry, that when the church is uh, united with Christ, that it would be a pure... Uh, and then in Ephesians chapter 5, which is an interesting verse, uh, verse number 32, uh, when he's talking about, For this cause shall a man leave his father's mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. This is the great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. See, So here is the, the imagery of marriage used to describe Christ's relationship with the church. And he's coming back for his bride. So again, I think the, the, the mistake that uh, the writer has made, the, the caller has made. Oh, by the way, between chapter 19 and chapter 21, where the New Jerusalem comes along. This is in again, Revelation. Yeah. It's a thousand years between... The, the, the marriage of the bride has come and the new Jerusalem coming down. So they're two different things altogether. See? So part of the problem is I'm not too sure um, the caller, I'm not too sure what level of study he's engaged in. I don't know what books he has. I don't know if he has concordances. I have no idea if he has Bible dictionaries or encyclopedias. Uh, I don't know if he has access to the internet. I don't know what kind of research he does. In the, and I think that is part of his problem. He's limited in his knowledge in terms of what the Bible teaches on this subject. And I think this leads him to, to go down a line that is quite misleading. And it's very unfortunate that um, he would not call off the line, the off the air, so we can discuss these things off the air uh, and give some more in-depth understanding of what the Bible teaches on these subjects. Well, Pastor, thank you for answering both of those questions. And I would like to thank the listener who asked that question. That's why we're here. We are here to answer your questions. Uh, and if you have a question, we would be glad to entertain it, to answer it from Scripture. 
You can do, call us and be put live on the air at 268-462-7420. Or you can WhatsApp or text your question to one 268 7821454 No matter how you are joining us this evening whether it's 11:60 a.m. 92.3 FM online at www.radiolighthouse.org or whether you're joining us on Facebook Live let me say welcome and thank you for joining us thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule on this Tuesday evening I know evenings in the middle of the week begin to get busier and busier seem to climax on Friday evening, and hopefully you catch your breath on the, over the weekend. Now, the New Age movement, we started discussing that last week, and Pastor, I think it's only fair to do a brief rehash in order to get all of us back on the same page as far as what we discussed last week. Can you briefly remind me, what do you mean when you talk about the New Age movement? Well, we we kind of explained that the New Age movement is a very broad umbrella term. It refers to a variety of groups uh, that hold to certain basic core doctrines and principles. Uh, they don't have churches like we have churches. Uh, they don't have ministers like we have ministers. It's just a, a, a diverse group of institutions and organizations that have a, a basic core philosophy. And that core philosophy basically is that uh, they believe that the age of Aquarius is coming. This is all rooted in astrology, uh, which believes that uh, the universe goes through different cycles uh, that correspond to the zodiac signs in, in the heavens, and that every two or, or two twenty. 2,000 years to 2,400 years, uh, there is some dramatic change going to take place. Now, we are living in what they call the age of Pisces, but now the age of Aquarius is going to come. So they are very optimistic that when this this age is about to, to break in, it will be a time of heightened degree of higher consciousness and spirituality where it will bring in peace and prosperity. So they're looking for this age to come. So it is really a movement that these people really believe that we are going through an evolutionary process and that after the, the Pisces year, the 2000 is over, now we're going to enter another 2000 years and they're looking forward to this higher consciousness and this peace and this prosperity and human unity. Utopia, basically, is what they're looking for. Um, but the New Age movement is something that is not new. And what I mean by that is that it has within its um, its belief a cultic teachings. It has uh, spiritism in it, and it all has what you call Eastern philosophy, Eastern religions. It is a hodgepodge of farrago. It's a mixture, a medley of all of these things concocted together, but they hold to certain basic beliefs. Let me just share quickly. Uh, one of those beliefs is in something called monism, and what that means, all is one. Uh, there is no disparity, no difference between the material and the spiritual. They're all made of one matter, or one material called spirit material. Now, Christianity teaches that God is spirit and God created matter. To them, matter is God. God is part of matter. So this monistic thing that there's only one ultimate reality that is spiritual, and everything basically is one. And then, of course, they believe that within man, being part of this oneness, man is really at his core divine. His problem is the Western world have deluded him 
and he's living in a delusion uh, about matter and material, but in actual fact, he doesn't realize he's God. His purpose now is to reach that higher state of consciousness where he realizes he's actually God. And he's to mesh with this universal consciousness. So the whole idea is really, is pushing the human potential movement for man to come to the point where he realizes that he himself is God, is no God to look to. That is part of the core philosophy. And then, of course, the other, other thing behind this whole thing is that all religions are one. They have certain core beliefs, and the whole idea is to get rid of all of these uh, differences that we have in religion and the time we got these core beliefs so that all, all people can come together. And that's where globalism comes in. Uh, we got to understand that we're interrelated, we're interdependent, and uh, we want to create a, a global government where there's one government, one people. That's the, the focus behind all of it. And um, theosophy, spiritism, uh, the Rosicrucians, the mind sciences, the human potential, all of these are part of this. That's why it's called the New Age Movement. And a book was written by Marilyn Ferguson called The New Age Conspiracy, or the Aquarian, uh, the... Um, Age? The Aquarius, uh, yeah, conspiracy. But the whole idea in the book, she explains how all of these different groups are working to this common goal of um, higher consciousness, creating a world government, uh, the idea of worshipping nature and understand that nature is part of God and, 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 and uh, God is part of nature. All of this, so she, in her book, explains how different groups are working in politics, in education, in the social sciences, uh, in the sciences, all work into a common goal where everything becomes one. Man is become, recognizes God, so man now is on a pedestal, and man det- determines his destiny and controls the direction the world is headed in. Would you agree with the statement that this is proof of uh, Satan, of a greater uh, spiritual being who is tying all these religions from all around the globe together and seems to be bringing them against the truth that is found in Scripture? Well, I think anyone that is aware of biblical prophecy, where we're headed, the Bible makes it quite clear that the Antichrist is going to mesmerize the world as a great orator, and he's going to direct all worship towards Satan. When his image is built, is made, and again, uh, we are now in a point where computers and robots can almost look virtually human and talk like humans. When you read the book of Revelations, you wonder if this is one of the things that are going to occur to mesmerize the world. But the Bible is clearly teaching that we're moving towards a one government, one religion, and behind this entire movement is Satan, who the Bible says has deceived the whole world. So this is part of the satanic plan. You do away with God, you bring man to the point where man believes that he's deity, he's no longer responsible to any God, he himself is directing the affairs of planet Earth. The ultimate idolatry is going to be the worship of man. Man will worship himself. Uh, and remember that this this whole rebellion started in the Garden of Eden when Satan engineered the whole fall of man by promising three things. Remember that? You shall be like God. In other words, you'll be like God. God is holding you down. God is a killjoy. God, is, God doesn't want you to experience your full potential. And then what? Wisdom when she saw the fruit was good uh, to make one wise. So you've got, and then power. What Power comes with both being a god 
and being wise. So these are the things that were offered in the Garden of Eden. And it's the same three things that are being offered to man. You, be, you become God, you be wise, and you have power. The strategy hasn't changed, it's just the, the method and the means that are being used today are different. But the basic core ideas are just basic satanic, and uh, that's what's happening today. I read an article, and a theologian, Nikki Gumbel, quotes a survey that estimates that 25% of Americans are involved in some form of the New Age practice. Are you surprised by that number? No, I'm not surprised, because remember, I, I, I told you that the, the New Age movement came out of the the... The, uh, the 60s and the 70s. And remember during the 60s and 70s was a time of total turmoil. Not only you had the Vietnam War, you had experimenta- experimentation with, uh, uh, with drugs, psychedelic drugs. You had people like Julian Huxley, uh, great scientists advocating the idea to experience this higher consciousness through the use of drugs. Um, you had Marxism, and it was a complete dismantling of the humanistic belief that science would control uh, the world and create this utopia, the great disappointment came that the the the, the, um, the 20th century is the bloodiest century man has ever lived with all of the talk about advancing in science. So what happened is that man lost his um, concept of God. The humanists and all of these groups uh, completely took that concept of God away from man's thinking. But something has to replace that. And people realized that the scientists couldn't do it because they brought us the atomic bomb. So what did they do? There was a return to spirituality, but not to biblical spirituality. This is where the East came in now. Hinduism, the idea of pantheism. And people went after Zen Buddhism in the, in the, in the 50s and the 70s, in the 60s. And then you had Rashni come in and all these, came, all these Eastern invasion of these different cults came in. And people are inherently spiritual. Man is made a spiritual being. So he craves something. So when you rob him of the faith of Christianity, something has to replace that. It's not a question if there's religion. The question which religion will dominate. But some religion will dominate, and that's what happened with the New Age movement, with all of these things happening, the occult, uh, the Eastern religions coming in. Pastor, as we finished up the program last week, you you mentioned Oprah and how she has been used to promote the New Age movement. Are there other famous individuals who have been, I guess if you want to use the word, spokesmen for the New Age movement? Well, Marilyn Ferguson, uh, who wrote the the book, um, The Aquarian Conspiracy. I mean, she is the one, one of the main proponents of this uh, New Age movement. David Sprangler, uh, is almost the evangelist for the New Age movement. Uh, and then you probably uh, may not know some of these names, but uh, there is a guy called Gary uh, Zugav, Kav. Uh, he wrote the book Dancing with the Wooly Masters. And this is the guy that deals in quantum physics. He also promoted the New Age movement in the scientific community. And then there's a guy called Depka Chopra. Uh, he wrote, talked about quantum healing, which has to do with TN meditation uh, as a means of healing. Uh, and then there's the guy uh, Eckhart Tolle. Um, 
he's the guy that really indoctrinated a lot of people in the New Age movement. And then there's um, um, Neil Donald Walsh, who wrote Conversation with God, and Miriam Williamson, uh, who did a course in miracles, not biblical miracles, but how you get healed to the new. And this is, by the way, this is the lady that uh, Oprah used to promote the New Age movement. And on many of her shows, she used a lot of the people who believe in New Age. She herself is a New Ager, as I told you before. She she thinks that Jesus Christ is um, <laughs> too jealous. Uh, I forgot the term that is used with her, but because he says he's the only way, the only truth, etc., she finds that offensive that he is selfish. Uh, but again, she is a voice on the radio. I mean, you can't say much about Oprah because she's black. If you say anything about Oprah, she's black. You're, you're racist. So the American people are not able to say much, but I can say it, right? Because that kind of thing don't af- affect me. Um, she's either a Christian following the biblical doctrines of the Bible, or she's false, and she's false. She is not a believer, she's not a Christian, she's as lost as anybody else, but she's a person who's promoting New Age doctrine and New Age teaching, and people like her, with her, a book club and a television program, etc. But she is false, very, very false in her belief system and her promotion of these uh, this New Age movement. Are there unique methods? I know each of these different cults or religions that we've discussed over the last few months has a different marketing scheme or a different approach. Some of them use uh, published material like the Watchtower, the Jehovah's Witness, or different organizations use different methods. Uh, what are the methods of expansion or marketing that the New Age movement has used? Well, as I said, they don't have evangelists, like a church would have an evangelist or missionaries to send around the world. But what they use, they use the the, um, the written word. In other words, they use their writings and their books. They, you could get, I mean, the New Age bookstores in America, I forgot the amount of them. But it's like 2,000 of them all over. They use a lo- do a lot of writing. And then, of course, shows like um, call it, uh, like uh, Oprah, they use that as an opportunity to ventilate their doctrine and their theology uh, to the world. Uh, and then they have a lot of networking on, on the Internet. There are a lot of organizations that are networking together to, to promote this on the Internet. So those are the main ways. They're using the written page. They're using the exposure on television and, and, and calling and programs. And then they're using the, 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 uh, the, the, um, the computer and the networking to, to promote their ideas and the ideology. So they're not sending evangelists like we would send evangelical missionaries. They're just taking full advantage of the technology and the, me- and the media that's available to, to spew their stuff to the public. Now, there's you're listening to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. The name of the program is That's Truth. This is an interactive program, and we would love to hear your questions, and Pastor Murphy will answer them from the Bible. You can call and ask your question on air by calling one two six eight four six two seven four two zero. Again, on air is two six eight four six two seventy four twenty. If you'd rather WhatsApp or text your question, you can send it to two six eight seven eight two one four five four. WhatsApp or text 782-1454. Or you can email your question to CRL, that's truth, 
at gmail.com. Or if you've joined us on Facebook Live, you can comment your question alongside the video feed, and it'll get passed along to Pastor Murphy. Pastor... Uh, well, let me just yeah. mention one other person that I, I mentioned last time that needs to be uh, a very important character and personality in the New Age movement is a woman, uh, Shirley MacLaine, um, out on a limb. Uh, this is a lady that did a lot to promote astral travel and other New Age methods. And she had a television program in the States. And her guru finally tell her that the last, I think, one of the programs just shout that she is God, basically. So, uh, but she is a mov- was a movie star, and she did a lot to really promote this movement, not only in her books, Out on the Limb, uh, and one on dancing, uh, dance, dancing in the, I forgot what the, what, what the other, t- what dancings, um, forgot the, the last part of the, the book, but also um, having this television program, Out on the Limb, uh, we did a, a series of episodes, and all of this was about promoting the, the New Age movement. So she is also a very prominent um, personality when it comes to the New Age movement. Something I wanted to have you expound on just a little bit is last week you mentioned that you believe that evolution laid a groundwork for the New Age movement to be able to expand. Why would you say that that's the case? Well, if there's no personal God that you're accountable for, how did you get here? We evolved. That's what they believe. That's where evolution is a primary tenet of this belief system. We evolve, but not only that we evolve, we are still evolving. And this is why this age of Aquarius is coming. We go through these cycles. But it's the evolutionary process by which this is accomplished. It, without evolution and uh, robbing man of a creator, uh, we would understand our accountability to God. We would also understand that there are certain mora- moral principles that are... In other words, we've been living according to the biblical principles. You remove God, you remove creation, and you're left with evolution. When you're left with evolution, then who's in charge? Man is. Man is in charge. And that's where secular humanism came in and said that man will not... God will not save anybody. Man will save himself. And all of the great intellectuals, by the way... Uh, got behind the humanist and signed the humanist manifesto but in that manifesto there's no place for God there's no place for absolute moralities and if you read the manifesto really it was advocating the complete um, um, teaching what is called um no absolutes, basically, relativism, moral, moral relativism, basically. And they, they were pushing for the doing away with uh, buggery, uh, doing away with marriage as it is, and uh, not talking about adultery. Uh, you know, those were things that were, were not were, were, were to be done away with. It is all part of the, the humanist agenda. But you can see at the core of this whole thing is, is evolution, because without God, man is left in control. And, and, and that's where we are with the New Age movement as well. Now, the New Age movement, you've already established, is very broad uh, from Eastern religions and Hinduism uh, to the occult. But are, there, are we able to put our finger on different consistent practices or practices within the so-called New Age movement? Yeah, because there are certain things that uh, are very common to them. Number one has to do with the whole idea of um, higher consciousness. Every single group that are attached to the New Age movement, this whole idea is connecting 
with whatever is out there. It's not God in the sense of the personal God of the Bible who is holy. But there is a force. Uh, 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 there's no, they don't call it personal. But somehow you have to connect with that force. And to do that, your intellect is the barrier to that. So you have to empty your mind and go through, whether by transcendental meditation, whether by centering, uh, whether by using psychedelic drugs, whether by dancing yourself into a frenzy, whether by repeating a mantra again and again until you've lost your consciousness. The whole idea is that as long as your mind is engaged, you cannot connect with this higher consciousness. You have to empty your mind. And this is where I have said repeatedly, this is where the New Age group are being deceived by demonic powers. Man was never intended to empty his mind. That's why the Bible emphasizes again and again the whole matter of the mind. I repeat, I've said this a thousand times and I don't know if people get it. The Bible is about truth. And truth can only apply to appeal to the mind. Right? You can't empty your mind and truth have anything to do with it. So it's a deception that you're in contact with a higher consciousness. What you're in contact with is fallen angelic beings behind the master mastermind of Satan deceiving people that they're in contact with some supernatural uh, higher conscious being there. It is part of the global deception that Satan... And what a... What a what a, a mark of genius this is, because stripping it of religion, which people want to get away from, and making it seem scientific, uh, has created in them the idea that we, it's not religion, but in actual fact, it is man worshipping himself ultimately. Now, the, the New Age movement, I've read a lot of testimonies of people who claim to have seen a bright light either while they were in a trance or when they had a near-death experience. Should we associate that bright light with God? Absolutely not. <laughs> Why not? But isn't God light? God is light. And that is, you remember in the book of uh, Tim, uh, Corinthians, uh, we're told that even Satan himself disguises himself as an angel of light. Is it not fascinating, uh, Nathan, to think that, think of the religions that were started, who said that they saw some angel? Mormons. Think of the Mormons for just yeah. a moment, for just a moment. Just think about that, that religion, right? Uh, again, think of the Muslim faith. You remember again, um, the Muslim faith, it is the Gabriel. It, behind all, most of these is some, some angel, right? And that is the, and they don't understand that behind this deception, there is this angel of light that is deceiving the world. And what a what a thing to come and display that you're an angel of light when in actual fact you're an angel of darkness. But it's part of the deception. Listen, God has given us His word. When we move away from God's word and we uh, abandon God's word. We are open to deception because it's the only standard that gives us a sibboleth by which we can judge right from wrong, evil from good, evil supernatural from infernal supernatural. So the fact that man has gone away from Scripture, he's now open to all kinds of deception because he has nothing to guide him as to what this could be. 
see. We who have the Bible understand we're not ignorant of his strategies, the Bible says. We know his scheming and that he displays himself as an angel of light. So I'm not surprised that they're seeing this angel of light, but it's a deceptive light. I, I think I told you last time that there's a book I have of this guy who came out of the New Age movement. And he was going through one of these esoteric experiences where he was out of a body experience and he was going towards this, this light, fantastic light. But he said in his testimony, in his book he wrote, he said that something miraculously happened. He was taken from the light and taken behind the light. He said he never saw such darkness in his life. Hmm. When he came over that experience, he left the New Age movement, period. But again, this marvelous light he's moving towards, and God miraculously took him behind the light to show him it was a darkness. So things are not always as they appear. I was talking to a friend of mine, Pastor, and he, before he became a Christian, he was definitely seeking truth and trying to find truth, and he was involved in the New Age movement for a while. And I asked him what words of advice or wisdom he would have for anyone who is listening who may be uh, exploring the New Age movement or thinking about pursuing it. Mm -hmm. And he said, uh, it's, it's dangerous, it's scary. And he said that there were moments, times when he heard voices and had experiences that he'd never had before, but it was involved with the practice of uh, trying to empty his mind and the... Uh, the literature and all that he was reading as part of the New Age movement. Does that startle you at all? No, it doesn't startle me. As a matter of fact, if there wasn't something to it, people wouldn't gravitate towards it. You take the... the, the look, what what is happening in the New Age movement is the same thing as happening with the, the marijuana um, movement as well. They are having what they call a higher consciousness experience. They are out of their mind. They are in contact with something... And they think it is God, uh, Jah. It's not Jah. It is Satan that they're in contact with, the evil supernatural forces they're in contact with. But they, you can't tell them that because this is sacred weed. It's just like the American Indians that used to use the, um, the cactus. And uh, this guy, Castaneda, who used these, uh, this cactus uh, to give them this hallucinogenic experiences. And he wrote a, a, a whole book uh, about this, this kind of experiences. This is what is going on with the marijuana thing. You get out of your mind, what is called a higher consciousness. They are in contact with something uh, which gives them this euphoria. But the fact is, when they come back down to earth, reality hits them. It's an escape means, and, uh, but it is all part of this, this whole concept. We have a WhatsApp question that has come in from Antigua. Thank you to the individual who sent it in. A very good question. What's the difference between a Christian's meditation and those who are part of the New Age movement? Good question. Very simple to answer as well. The Christian is always meditating with something, some objective truth. David meditate on God's word, God's attributes, God's person. Uh, so meditation is not emptying your mind for the Christian. Uh, the New Age movement and all of these other movements is emptying your mind. It's not filled with anything. For, to have some subjective experience with something that you, you can't connect with. By the way, when they come back down, from the, they can't explain in words what really happened. They just say you've got to experience it. 
the mind is bypassed altogether. The door is open to evil supernatural beings to influence their mind, and they don't understand that. We know that meditate. We meditate on God. We meditate on God's Word. We meditate on God's character, God's works, God's attributes. Or we meditate on some virtue. Remember what Paul said in Philippians? Think on these things, whatever is true and and just and righteous or whatever. So we have things to meditate. It's never about emptying the mind, as these groups suggest. And that is the main danger. I am totally convinced that a lot of these guys that are on marijuana and crack and cocaine, a lot of these people who are engaged in the New Age movement, I am totally convinced that they're demonized. Totally hmm. convinced about it. They don't. By the way, if you ever think you're, you're, you're demon-possessed, you're not demon-possessed. When you are possessed and when you're influenced, you don't know it. So anytime a guy comes and tells you, well, I'm demon-possessed, you can know automatically he's not possessed. And that is where the deception is. They don't even know what's happening. And they will pay the price sooner or later for going into this occult movement and engaging in this kind of paranormal activities. They are going to feel it in the, in, in the... Some of them will not be able to pray anymore. Some of them would have a deep void within. It's as though God has abandoned them. But eventually it's going to have some serious repercussions in the spiritual realm. Because Satan never gives you anything without extracting a price from you. And sometimes it's in your own uh, spiritual life and, of course, your eternal destiny at stake. As you were talking about the fact that we shouldn't just be emptying our mind in a form of meditation, I couldn't help but think of the passage that talks about putting off the old man Mm -hmm. and putting on the new man. You can't just leave a void there. It's going to be filled with something. Well, Christianity, look, Christianity is truth, absolute truth. You move away from Christianity, you're going to delusion, you're going to deception. And uh, it's unfortunate that uh, the Christian church has not been very vocal in dealing with a lot of these matters and drawing the people's attention to it. But we've got to understand that when it comes to the Christian faith, we're dealing in the realm of truth. Any deviation from that, we're going into delusion, we're going into deception, and the ultimate mind behind this deception is Satan himself. The name of the program <coughs> is That's Truth. You're listening to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. The voice that you've been hearing teaching is that of Pastor Dr. David Murphy, the pastor of Grace Baptist Church in Antigua. If you have a question for Pastor Murphy, we would love for you to call. You can put live on the air by calling 268-462-7420, or you can send your question via WhatsApp or text to the following number, 1-268-782-782. One four five four, or you can join us on Facebook Live, and you can comment your question, and it'll get passed along to Pastor Murphy. Let me encourage you. I don't think I have yet this in this episode. Be inviting your friends, encouraging your friends and your family to listen to that's truth on Tuesday evenings. You can also go back if you are busy with something one week and you want to listen to a previous episode. We have all of the previous episodes podcast online. Just go to Google and type in That's Truth, T-H-A-T apostrophe S, Truth Podcast. And the first link that pops up that's not an advertisement on Google is the link there. It's on several different uh, delivery systems on Anchor. It's on 
uh, Google Podcast. It's on iTunes. So if you just search uh, the internet for That's Truth Podcast, you can go back and listen to the different episodes. And if you're looking for something on a particular topic, maybe you or someone that you know is struggling with pornography. We have two episodes from the past that we were talking about how to overcome that addiction or addictions as in general. Maybe you are curious about what the Bible says about worshiping on Saturday versus Sunday. We have an episode on that talking about what the Seventh-day Adventist Church teaches and relating that. Maybe you're interested in other cults and religions and you're wondering if we've discussed the Jehovah's Witness. We have, and you can go back and listen to that. We're looking forward to getting your questions tonight on the program via calling live or WhatsApp or text message. Now, Pastor Murphy, any other practices that you would like to mention uh, among the the New Age movement? I, I want to um, deal with a matter that I think is perhaps the greatest concern that I have about the New Age movement, and that is the infiltration into the educational system. Okay. Um, the New Age practitioners have targeted education and they realize that if you're going to bring about an ideological change the best way to do that is through the public educational system it influences more more people uh, it's the most pervasive way to influence minds and it's the uh, way to people at the most impressionable age begin to get your ideology into their mind at an early age, and that is why it's infiltrated the educational system. Uh, public education is perhaps the, there's no other social system that has such a broad audience or potential for changing people's thinking than the education system, and that is why the um, practitioners of the New Age movement have understood the importance of getting into the educational system. Um, I want to, uh, for example, there the in the Marilyn Ferguson's book, The Aquarian Conspiracy, which has to do with what the New Age movement and that group, how they're infiltrating different parts, she has made it very, very clear that one of the ways that they are getting their um, truth across, as they call truth, the arrow across, whether, is becoming teachers, becoming administrators of the school, uh, becoming the ones in the Ministry of Education that do that, the policy makers, and uh, those that teach educational psychology, be the ones to teach that in the colleges. So it, it's a plan to get this thinking become pervasive, and the key component there is get into the educational system. So you get a professorship, uh, as a psychologist, and you you teach the psycho, psycho and you bring this thing in. You become an administrator, and you allow certain new age things to begin to happen. Uh, the other thing is the textbooks that they introduce. So, um, a, a guy did a study, Paul Witz, uh, on the textbooks in the public schools, and he discovered that when he did a study, that they, the textbooks were scrubbed of religion, traditional family values conservative political p positions and conservative political uh, economic theory. Those were scrubbed from all the textbooks and uh, the the progressive, uh, what you might call the, the progressive theory, which is part of the New Age conspiracy. 
that kind of so scrubbing those things out allows them now to introduce new age thinking um, a lady by the name of Beverly Gallion uh, wrote a book called Confluent Education and she puts a lot of emphasis on guided imagery and this is what is introduced to the school where you you get a child a, a young child you tell him lay down on the ground and you you help him to be creative imagine that you are absolutely perfect imagine that you are in a cave imagine that you are out of the cave and you can fly so they're guiding the child they, they call it creative imagination but what they're actually doing is creating what's called visualization one of the occult means that is, is used to make you visualize you know what you can see you can create your own reality so it's part of the whole so your kids you may not even know that your kids are being guided by by the, the teacher uh, into this kind of new age philosophy etc the ultimate goal is for the child to really realize that she's perfect she has this inner divine nature within her but again it is called uh, confluent uh, education and part of that process is guiding the person in imaginary thinking. The other thing that for the new age that is into there is what is called cl uh, value clarification. You've probably heard that. The first time I saw that, I was teaching in the school, and I was uh, I was struck. What is value clarification? What it does really is to say to the student, there are no moral absolutes. Each student is encouraged to come up with their own value system of what is right and wrong. So, and this uh, value clarification, by the way, was pioneered by a guy called Louis E. Ruth and Sidney Simon. And let me tell you what he said, what was the goal of this uh, value clarification. Because we got it in the Caribbean. We got it in the social studies. It's called value clarification. Uh, uh, yeah. He said this, the goal of value clarification is to involve students in practical experiences, make them aware of their own feelings, their own ideas, and their own beliefs so that the choices and decisions they make are conscious and deliberate based on their own value system. Man, if you if you infiltrate that into someone's mind, you, there's no need for God. There's no need for God's standards. Yeah. The fundamental assumption behind value creation, see, is that there are no absolutes. And that is what is being taught in our schools that there's no right from wrong. It may be right for you, but wrong for me, or wrong for me, but right for you. But you yourself have to decide. So there's no Ten Commandments, there's no Bible, there's nothing that is absolute that you depend on. That is what value clarification is. The individual must make the choice for himself, come up with his own values. We must not influence him to tell him this is right, this is wrong. Let him come up with his own decision. That is part of the New Age movement. Uh, and that is why I said to you, the educational system is the greatest agency of social change. And that is why it's so important to be watchful of what our children are being taught in schools and what the curriculum is all about and what the books contain. I am going to predict that within a few years, it will start from kindergarten school right through. This whole idea of the family uh, and this whole idea of gender, this whole idea of um, um, marriage, from the very early age, you will find that the curriculum will encourage the schools to teach from a very early because you have to 
you have to indoctrinate kids. You've got to desensitize them to the traditional values. How are you going to do that? You start very, very early. And that is why government puts so much emphasis on early childhood education. It has to start there. This, this remolding of the mind of the child has to start there. And we're going to have to be very, very watchful and take a stand when these things begin to happen. The other thing that uh, is important that comes into the school is meditation. They don't call it meditation, they call it centering, a different word, but it's the same idea. And again, it is perceived to be a means of releasing the tension and the stress that the child has in the classroom. So the idea is that, you know, you to, to, to think and uh, you guide them in their minds so they get out of this, this stress position until they go into a higher consciousness level. It's a very subtle thing, but it's also um, in, in the school, and that has to be watched. Pastor, we have a WhatsApp question that's come in from Antigua, and it just coincides very well with your question or your statement about the education system being uh, reworked with the New Age movement in mind. It says, has the New Age movement infiltrated the business world through motivational speakers and corporate team-building exercises. I can see that this person is on the ball. They realize what is happening. This is infiltration not only of the educational system, business, government. And again, it doesn't come in as a religion. That is why people are, the, the guard is down. And by the way, see yoga? It's one of the key ways of uh, moving this new age thinking and this higher consciousness thing as well. They talk about the Kundalini force in the back of the spine like a snake. Uh, we'll deal with that at some point in time, but people are subtly led into this. I regret that yoga is part of the Eastern religion, whether you know that or not, right? Yeah. And sometimes you're given a mantra as well. People think it's just exercise. Now, it's possible to do exercises without falling for this. But if you're saying a mantra and you're centering and you're trying to tap into this Kongolini force, etc., etc., whether you know it or not, you're into the New Age movement. What is the mantra? The mantra? A mantra is a word that you're given that is normally the name of a Hindu god, but you don't know it. So it's not just a generic no, word. No, no, you, you just don't. But it's your word. You must not tell anybody about it. And that's the word that you use to keep repeating, repeating, repeating until you lose your consciousness. But the person is exactly correct. Uh, two different types of training, reducing stress and tension in the workplace. They've introduced uh, new age thinking and new age philosophy. I, I remember there's a gentleman here. I wouldn't call his name because people might know him. He was telling me when he was into uh, banking, uh, they did some training. Uh, people came down and, and did some training about stress management and about um, uh, reducing f worry and, and, and all this kind of thing. But they had to do some exercises. And he told me this personally, that some of the exercises that were frightening. Hmm. Uh, actually projecting and reading your mind and thoughts and projecting thoughts into another person's mind. It, it, it's all part of the occult um, mystical system that's involved and that's why these are areas that God has said to people do not get involved in these areas I am your God and I know where this is all headed the, 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 the deceiver will use these tools to deceive you so God has drawn a line and when man violates that line he's gone on territory that God has forbidden and there will be not only eternal consequences there will be spiritual consequences and uh, emotional consequence in that person's life. So you're saying the New Age movement, the New Age thought process is not just something benign or neutral. There's an undermining force and effort to contradict truth that's found in Scripture. Of course, okay. of course. Look, if you were Satan, 
and you want to deceive the world. Huh? You make counterfeits. Yeah, a counterfeit. You want to really uh, deceive the world and present a counterfeit. Here's a perfect thing, basically. Yeah. Uh, and again, remember, he hasn't changed his strategy. The whole idea is you are God. God uh, is holding you down. He's a killjoy. He doesn't want you to develop as he has developed because, and again, this is where the Mormon is so attractive because as God is, man once was. And man is now evolving, wanted to become a God. This is the Mormon doctrine is that what am I living for? I'm living that one day I'll be a God on a planet with a goddess and we'll have as many children as we want. We go to another planet, we populate that and we go on to the whole universe. Yeah. It's all playing <laughs> on the human ego. <laughs> it is when you re when you think about it though, it's really it's a mastermind is behind this whole process in deception. Have another very practical WhatsApp question from Antigua, Pastor. How do you witness the truth of the gospel to someone who believes that all truth is relative? I am not too sure um, how would I, I. You have to have some basis for arguing. You have to have some basis to deal in 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 something that is absolute truth. Without that, I don't know how you can argue. Um, uh, uh, if the, the person believes that all what? All truth is relative. I mean, if I'm discussing uh, religion with someone, let's say a Mormon, uh -huh. they have their holy book, I, or let's say a Jehovah's Witness, uh, we're going to go to the King James Version of the Bible, and we're going to uh, discuss, we're going to go to the Bible, and we're going to discuss things, and I'm going to show how they have uh, manipulated verses in the Bible. But if someone is does not have does not believe the Bible does not believe the absolute statements in the Bible, how do you even start a discussion? But here's a question: Can you live by that? For example, is murder absolute wrong? It depends whether I want the child or not. No, no. But I thought murdering somebody deliberately. But isn't that what abortion but, is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But yeah, is, is that absolutely wrong or not? Well, okay. the, is, some is, people is, would is, say it's not. Uh, is um, is marriage sacrosanct in terms that is it is it right is it ever right for a, a man or a woman to go outside the, the covenant relationship they, they make in marriage? See? Um, I don't know how you would persuade a person that way. Uh, all I would say is um, you have to deal with evidence. You have to go back to such things, how we got here, why are we here. You've got to ask the basic fundamental questions. How did I get here? Where am I? Uh, why am I here? Where am I going? Who put me here? What's my purpose here? And you're going to have to make decisions on those core fundamental principles. Uh, if you can't answer those core principles, you end up being a nihilist. Uh, and what do you mean a, by that? And that is a, a person who doesn't believe that life has any purpose. Okay. Right? Um, or a futilitarian who also believes that there's no purpose to man's existence. Nothing makes any sense. No, can you live in a world like that where everybody don't make, life don't make any sense? We can't live that way. We have to be kind. We know right from wrong whether we want to believe it or not because God has implanted that in us. So it all comes back to the fact whether we are created beings or we just happen here by chance. And what evidence, which is the greatest evidence that will disprove either of these? And the evidence is on the side of creation. 
So I don't think you can actually persuade somebody until you come to answer the, those basic questions. Does he believe in creation? Does he believe in a God? It has to start at these core values, and then you can build a case from there. And if he doubts there's a God, then you provide evidence to prove that this can't happen. I, I mean, <laughs> um, by the way, we will never ever be able to lead everybody so we've got to understand that and, and understand that it's not only just I reasoning or you reasoning God's spirit plays a role in bringing man to faith and trust in Jesus Christ the Holy Spirit has got to convict people so it's just I can use people say Peter says to give a reason for the hope that's in me I can give a reason for that I can give biblical evidence I can refer a person to scientific books and I can I can bring argument upon argument but ultimately I can't reason a man in the kingdom of God so I should be praying that the Spirit of God begins to work and they begin to seek. Because if they're not seeking, I can witness to them, but it's probably not going to yeah. go very far. All you can feed them is the truth of God's Word. And remember this, it is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, discerning even the soul and the spirit. Uh, so we just got to believe that God's Word is the power that it is. Paul said what? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation. So we don't have to knock down all of their arguments, but make sure we give them the word. Let the Holy Spirit have some means, a sword that he can uh, use in that person's life to bring a level of conviction. Don't just use textbooks and what scientists say, etc. The word is the agent of generating faith. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You may not believe it's having an effect. But you let God deal with that. And I, uh, so we've got to get the person the word. We can provide evidence. Uh, Josh McDowell's book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, uh, you can recommend those series to him. Um, there are some other very, very good books that you can recommend that if there's a question about morals or question about science or question about um, issues, you get those Christian books to that person that provides a biblical answer. But it all comes back to the Word of God, the work of the Holy Spirit in that person's life, and I'm a witness trying to share my faith with him. And don't forget as well, your life is important. Your testimony is important, but also your life. That is my approach to, to, to those matters. How would the verse, uh, the preaching of the cross, Onto those who are not saved is I forget the word that Paul uses is meaningless or you from yeah 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 where Paul said it is foolishness yes yeah but again remember that Paul is 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 um, saying that when you preach the cross uh, to the Greeks the philosophers the learned intellectual people they just think this is nonsense how can a man that die on a cross uh, born in a uh, Judean village, no pedigree whatsoever in terms of family line, and didn't even have a, a, a cradle, basically. How can a man's death like that bring about my conversion? The Jews, on the other hand, is, is embarrassed. It's a stumbling block to them. Their Messiah is one that will conquer the world, set up Israel as the, as the leading country of the world, and then they themselves will rule the entire world. Their idea is thinking military, political, but again, that doesn't fall in line with the ideology. So to the Jews, it is a stumbling block to the Greeks. But Paul said to us that believe is the power of God. So again, how did we come to believe? We came to believe because we heard the Word of God and the Holy Spirit worked in our lives and convicted us that this is truth. Look, I, look, I am so convinced the Bible is true that I, I don't know how anybody can persuade me otherwise. Yeah. I'm just being honest with you. 
And I don't just believe it because uh, I've got all the other evidence to verify it. But this is God's book. I have no doubt in my mind about that. Pastor, what are some of the... We've got about uh, 15 minutes left in the program. What are some of the dangers of the New Age movement? Well, I, I just mentioned the one of those things had to do with the matter of in, the infiltration of the New Age movement into the, the school system. Uh it's also the, the, the danger of um, what they're trying to promote as well in terms of uh, globalism. Now, globalism, the whole thing behind this is really the, 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 this New Age movement. The whole idea is to create a global village where we are all interconnected as one humanity. They want one government. They don't want national boundaries. Uh, they... They, they, the, the whole thing here is to create the same thing the Bible warns about. One church, one government, uh, one people. Now, the problem when you begin to attack to, to, to these kind of things that people say, well, you know, aren't we all one people? Shouldn't nations work together? Yes, they should work together. It's not, I'm not questioning that. But you've got to understand that the Bible warns. Go back to the book of Genesis, the Tower of Babel. When all the people came together as one and they wanted to build a tower up to heaven, and God came down and confounded the nations and, and gave them languages so that they're separated. It is never God's intention that nations come under one headship apart from Jesus Christ. Hmm. Because the Bible tells us very clearly that the very imagination of the heart of man is only evil continually. So when you've got all of these nations working together and, and have no place for Christ, nor Scripture, nor God, you are actually creating the environment where man now plays as God. And that is why we are breaking down barriers that, even in the area of science, now want to create people by cloning people, not only cloning people, but actually taking out certain genes and putting certain genes so that you can almost have a, a designer-side person. Yeah. That's the realm we're entering because there's no fear of God in love. There are no controls on these matters. And this is man coming together. And if man ever comes together... What he can accomplish in terms of evil is unfathomable. And that is why, while it is good for nations to work together, we must maintain our national identity. And we must not surrender our ethnicity or, or whatever it is uh, in the interest of creating a kind of a global where we have one head, uh, one government. That clearly is unscriptural and it's only part of the Antichrist system of plan. You're listening to That's Truth on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. We have 15 minutes left in the program. And if you have a question, you can WhatsApp or text it to 1-268-782-1454. Or you can call and be put live on the air at 1-268-462-7420. You're asking about the danger. Let me mention another danger that is really real. You remember the Jim Jones... The fiasco. Kool Aid. Uh, yeah, you remember that? Uh, was that Guyana? Uh, yeah, that was a celebrated tragedy um, that took place in 1978, where about 915 people who were the followers of Jim Jones committed suicide. Uh, remember that Jim Jones was the minister of the Disciples of Christ denomination, and a lot of people doesn't don't know this, but remember that Jim Jones reached a point where. He said he was God in the dark glasses. And he would start with the Bible and then throw aside the Bible and, and virtually 
uh, tell the people that he is actually God. Remember that. But remember how Jim Jones be- adopted that kind of philosophy. I don't know if anybody have ever heard the guy called Father Divine in America, uh, Peace Mission Movement. Uh, Father Divine um, is a gentleman, his real name was George Baker. He was from Georgia. And he was a very uneducated man, but he was arrested in, in a place called Valdosa in, in Georgia uh, for being a nuisance. And then he left Valdosa and he went to New York in 1915 and he came across a, a guy called St. John the Divine Hickson that was the guy's name who had a church called the Church of the Living God and f- this guy Father Divine learned f- from this guy the idea that man was God and you know the text that they use 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 16 the Bible says that we are what the temple of God temple of God. So Father Divine reasons that if he's a temple of God, he's entitled to be God himself. And he started a movement and uh, he gave himself this title. Uh, God the Son God and Sonship of the Second Degree. Uh, He claimed he was God and he started a movement where he gathered people around him. Sorry. Pastor, we have a caller, uh, Nathan, calling from Nevis. Thank you for calling, and go ahead with your question, please. Yes, good evening. Good evening, sir. Good program. Thank you. I've been here listening constant, I mean, constantly. Um, about these people with these New Age doctrines and teachings, uh-huh. now, it brings to my mind... Second Thessalonians chapter two. The whole chapter but I would only read from verse nine to eleven. For even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all powers and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them which perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. For this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they might believe a lie. Then that they might be damned who believe not the truth, but have pleasure in unrighteousness. That's verse 12. Yes, sir. Now, I, I listen to this, and the beginning higher verses says that there would be the mystery, the mystery of iniquity does already work. Now, what happens is when a person hears the truth and doesn't receive it, he is not left empty. The Bible says God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Yeah. And now these people are only believing a lie because it says 
Oprah Winfrey wa- had so many followers. I don't know if she still have them, but she had so many followers because she was somewhat Christian-like. Mm-hmm. And now she have this problem with God being jealous, a jealous God. Now God is jealous over his people, not over the ungodly, his people. Yes. That they walk right. Yes, sir. He is jealous over them. Yeah. I think I well, I was listening to a a, a station out of Antigua. Mm-hmm. A Rasta man was there on the program on the on the station, had a program. And one of his problem is is that the Bible says God is jealous, and he has this problem over it. Yeah. God is kicking over chairs in heaven. Because he is jealous. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he has a big problem with it. The problem? And along with it, he's bigging up the Pope <laughs> with the, 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 the stance that he's taking yeah. towards other religions in the world. Mm. You know, making all the religion into one. Yeah. Well, I, 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 would, I would say... Um, Part of the problem with a lot of these celebrities is they get too big. They get such a great following uh, that they almost believe that they are in a world by themselves. And then they use the influence. But look, man is incurably religious. Man has to find some religion. And uh, if you don't follow the true God of the Bible, you're going to follow something else. That void has to be filled. So and and then in connection with the Rastafarian movement, the biggest problem you got the Rastafarian movement is that they got what I call a butterfly hermeneutic. You can't pin them down to any one verse. You 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 can't argue with them because they are so illogical in terms of you can't. They take a verse from here and a verse from there. You add. They say, well, well you, you believe the Bible? Well, I don't believe all the Bible because it got corrupted by the white man. But then they go to the Psalms. They go to this part. So you can't argue with a person like that without having some kind of a standard. Until they um, come to some point where they allow the Bible to speak for itself and actually follow the scriptures and not just be selective what they follow. Because how do they know what to follow, what to decide what is right or wrong? So that's part of the problem of the Rastafarian movement. But they're all part of the deception because they're too deceived by this uh, weed that they've got that believe that give them some kind of a higher consciousness. I, I, I believe that Rastafarianism is a delusion. It is. It is. A very big one as well. <laughs> But again, I hope we get some time to deal with that. I have a friend in church who did a uh, paper on the Rastafarian movement. I know he wrote it. I got it. I've read it myself. And maybe uh, someday we'll, we'll, we'll get to do some extensive work on the Rastafarian movement. The problem is I don't know who to go here in Antigua who is an authority because they've got all kinds of authority. One person believed this. The other person believed that. You can't pin them down. It's kind it's of, like all, huh? trying, to, it's trying to like figure out what the New Age movement believes. They all kind of <laughs> yeah, it's a, a, a kind of a hodgepodge. Every yeah. man is able to choose and to decide. And there's no, they don't have any absolute standard to say this is right, this is wrong. Uh, you know, they be living in sin, but she's my daughter. You know, uh, they believe so. They don't know what marriage is. They decide what marriage is. It's all part of the fact that their head has been cooked using this marijuana drug. 
Nathan from Nevish, thank you very much. Uh, we're running low on time. Thank you for the call. We appreciate it. And keep listening there in Nevis, encouraging others to listen. Pastor, we have about five minutes left. Yeah, uh, quickly, program. I was mentioning the fact with Father Divine. Yeah. There's a connection between Jim Jones and Father Divine. I know people know that. Jim Jones saw the kind of work that Father Divine was doing and what Father Divine did. But by the way, he was working in the, in the, uh, the, the ghettos. Uh, getting uh, creating communals and uh, and uh, he got tremendous power. Jim Jones observed the influence he had over the minds of the people, claiming that he's God and that uh, he's divine. That philosophy was taken by Jim Jones and carried over into Guyana. Now he's considered himself a god in the dark glasses. People didn't have to follow the Bible. That's the danger of the New Age movement in terms of man divine. It's the same principle. Whether it be in religion or whether it be in the occult or whether it be in the New Age movement, the same idea that man is ultimately God leads ultimately to catastrophes like uh, James Tong in, in, in Guyana. Because when you reach a stage where you believe a man is God, you're willing to follow him, anything he tells you, he can tell you, drink this portion that leads to your death, and you'll do it. That is why we need to go back to Scripture and understand that Scripture is above every man, and every man, and every pastor, and every leader, and every movement must be judged by Scripture. That is his standard. Pastor, we have a WhatsApp question that's come in from Antigua, uh, talking about fads like patch, uh, cabbage patch dolls, uh, new age items such as crystals and magic eight balls. Are these harmless things? Should I have these in my home? Nothing is harmless once it deals with the occult or the new age movement. Nothing is harmless. The idea of uh, the, the influence of crystals, the tarot cards, the Ouija board, all of these are part of the occult system. So if I have those in my home and I'm a born-again believer, or even if I'm Remove not a Christian, them. I should remove, remove them. them. So, matter of fact, go to uh, um, the book of uh, Acts. When the Ephesians finally got the truth, they took all of their books, all of their paraphernalia that they had in their cult, and they burnt them. And the value that was given there, like $50,000, yeah. but that was to get rid of it. Uh, these things have associations. And when you bring these things into your home, it's like bringing an idol. and you, So you need to be very, very careful. Take those things out, get rid of them. We got two minutes left in the program. Uh, let's finish up with some threats of the the New Age movement, or if maybe uh, com- uh, final thoughts on the beliefs of the New Age movement compared to Scripture. I think that the um, greatest danger of the New Age movement is that it's it's infiltrating everything. You, you see this uh, holistic health movement as well. That's part of it. That's part of it as well. Right. The whole idea is, and you know, medicine will treat you physical. Now you've got to treat the spiritual. So it, it, it is, you've got to be very, very watchful. It is in almost every year. This, this, uh, this environmental, uh, like the Greenpeace, yeah. that is part of the New Age movement as well. The whole idea is to understand that if all is one, Nature is God as well. So we now have to respect nature and almost worship nature. So Mother Earth is God. Uh, So it is all part, remember the philosophy behind it all, monism. All is one, one is God. See, So there's divinity and everything. As a matter of fact, they're actually going back to the old spiritism. Uh, what you call spiritists who believe that there was a spirit inside trees and rocks. The New Age movement believe that. There's an energy 
uh, they're not caught, that's inside all of these objects. So we're going back to what I call neo-paganistic beliefs, something that Christianity conquered, and now we are exhuming these very same uh, practices and normalizing them as part of modern society. We've gone away from the truth, and we've imbibed error, and we've headed down a track to a massive spiritual catastrophe. So to summarize their beliefs, they say that man is inherently good. He just needs to have his eyes opened. That God is, that we can become one with God. Correct. Uh, is there any need for salvation? No, there's no need for salvation because, uh, by the way, their salvation is just karma is salvation. In karma. other words, your karma, yeah. by if you did evil when you brought back into reincar- reincarnation, is a key factor in the New Age movement. That's why they don't believe in judgment or personal God. So how do you explain evil? How do you deal with evil? You deal it through karma. So I, it depends on how I live when I come back. And as I live better and better, eventually I would have uh, exhausted my karma and now I'm reabsorbed into this higher consciousness. So there's no judgment. If there's no judgment, is there such a thing as evil? There's no evil. Evil is part of God as well. By the way, that's why in the Hindu religion, it was difficult to deal with the pariahs because in helping a pariah, you are not allowing his karma to work out. So you, to, you know, you, to be compassionate, you have to have Christian principles because of a living God who loved you, etc. But in Hinduism, to be compassionate is to reduce that man's time of karma. He has to come back in the worst state. So let him face his karma. Sorry. This is where we're headed in the West. We've forgotten God and we know imbibe in the East. Thank you for joining us tonight on That's Truth. Be sure you join us again next week and make sure that it's not just you joining us. Make sure you invite others to join us on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. Thank you for joining us for today's program. We pray that the Holy Spirit uses the truths shared from God's Word to strengthen your faith. Now you've heard it. That's truth. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can hear more answers to life's questions on That's Truth, Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. If you're in Antigua, you can listen at 92.3 MHz FM, If you're in the Caribbean, you can listen at 1160 kilohertz AM or listen online at www.radiolighthouse.org from anywhere in the world. Or you can subscribe to this podcast. Looking forward to having you join us next time.